a throne surround. Lord, please reserve my mansion, mansion robe. robe and crown. My head is bowed and bloody now from the work I've tried to do. But one day I'll be rewarded with a crown so bright and new. I'll wear a smile so bright for there'll be no cause for a frown. When I receive my mansion, mansion robe, robe and crown, I want a mansion, robe and a crown. And glory, Mansion, robe, and crown. I want a mansion, robe, and a crown. Good afternoon. I hope you're all having a great day so far. It is Tuesday, January 23rd. My name is Derek Drake. I am the minister here at Loveland Heights Church of Christ. And uh, if this is your first time joining us uh, on these videos or or watching this video uh, series, uh, I, I hope that uh, you take the opportunity to go back and listen to some of the previous episodes that we've done. We're on Matthew chapter 12 today. Uh, of course, we've started in Matthew chapter 1, and we've made it our way here. Uh, and so you can always catch up on those episodes and, and those previous um, studies uh, on our Facebook page. You can also do so on our website right there, loveland.church. Uh, and uh, we also have a podcast available. And if you need to want to find the podcast, just search in uh, iTunes or the Google Play Store. Search for 2018 colon Together in God's Word. That's the name of the podcast there. Uh, and you can find it very easily. One last thing uh, to talk about before we get into the study is if you so wish and uh, would like to, please share this video, uh, post it on your timeline uh, on Facebook. And when you do that, whenever you hit the share button, you have the opportunity to type out a little bit of information. There's two options usually when you hit the share button. The first one is just share now. Uh, another one is it just says share. So if you hit share, uh, it gives you the opportunity to actually type some text out uh, into the post text. And so if you do that version, uh, you can actually put in something that you pulled away from it or uh, encourage some people, you know, tag some friends or anything like that and encourage them uh, to watch the video and join in the study with you as well. Um, so if you have any questions about that, you can always ask me. I can always uh, help you uh, figure that out. I know the Facebooks uh, are always confusing. Um, I work on it on a daily basis and everything's always changing. So. Um, all right, with that uh, out of the way, let's go ahead and get into the study, and let's turn over, if you will, to Matthew chapter 12, and we'll begin reading here. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, 
for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So here we have um, one of the first times we see the Pharisees coming after Jesus in terms of um, the Sabbath and, and working or doing things on the Sabbath. Uh, so his, he and his disciples are traveling and they walk through a field and they pluck some grain and start eating it. Now, the issue that the Pharisees have, are it, it's not that Jesus and his disciples were stealing grain, because they weren't. According to the law, uh, if, if someone was traveling along, they were allowed to do exactly what Jesus and his disciples were doing. The only thing that the law uh, w would not allow was for them to um, actually cut down the grain. Um, they could always pluck the pluck the little seeds, the little heads of the grain, and eat those. Um, and that that part of the law is found in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-three, verse twenty-five. The issue that the Pharisees had were they was that they considered what they were doing with the grain, where they would take in their hand uh, a little seed. I don't have anything here to kind of show that, but they would take the seed here. I'll do this little highlighter cap. They take the seed in their hand, right, and then they'd rub it. And when you rub that seed, the chaff, uh, or the outer shell, would would come off. And then inside would be the, the edible part. Um, so if you've ever had sunflower seeds, it's kind of similar to that. You would take the outer shell off and eat the seed inside. But with grain, it was kind of, it was something that you could rub off. And so what they said, what they considered, what they were doing, they considered that to be work. And so that's why they were getting onto him is because they were working on the Sabbath. And so Jesus says, "Well, basically, he says, are, are we not allowed to eat on the Sabbath? Are we are, are we not allowed to to do this?" The thing is, is that we are allowed. We're allowed, Jesus says we are allowed to do this because it's something that's necessary. We need to eat. And so. He says, uh, there in verse 6, he says, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. Why does he say, I tell you? Well, before that, he says, have you not read? Two times, verse 3 and verse 5. Have you not read? So these things that the Pharisees had read and held themselves to, um, they, you know, traditions of men, something that we'll look at uh, in another um, chapter this week. But then he says, I tell you. I'm telling you this. I am the Son of God. The Holy Spirit is with me. And I am telling you that this is not something that's bad to do. The Sabbath was created for me. Now let's look at another example of what's going on in terms of the Sabbath and something that the Pharisees took offense to. Verse 9. He went on from there, so he left that area where they were working on, and he entered their synagogue. Okay, The Pharisees that had come out to him, their synagogue. That's the subject. We're, we're continuing with it. So he entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, they being the Pharisees, asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that, And they asked this so that they might accuse him. Jesus said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he told the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. 
it almost seems like there's a sense of pride and defeat among the Pharisees that they were just proven wrong big time, right? They, uh, Jesus pretty much has a mic drop moment there, uh, and that did not sit well with the Pharisees. Um, they saw healing as work. Again, as, as we go back to the beginning part of this, that there was work involved with, with what he was doing. And really, there was no work involved at all because all he said was, stretch out your hand. Jesus didn't even have to physically touch him. He didn't even have to get up from his seat and walk over to him. He just said, stretch out your hand. And the man was healed. And that's not work. But Jesus says, it's, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And the example that he uses there of a sheep falling into a pit, I'd, I'd like to take that even one step further, in that if you're, a, if you're a father and your child falls down and skins their knee on the Sabbath, are you just going to sit there and not do anything? Or are you going to go over and you're going to help them, right? And so what, what the, the Pharisees were trying to trap him in, in, in a ridiculous tradition of man, is exactly what the, this is, um, they have now gotten to a point where they want to kill him. They want to destroy him. And so now we get into verse 15. Jesus, aware of this, going back to what the Pharisees said, withdrew from there. And many people followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. Why didn't he want them to why didn't he want people to, to tell everybody? Because he didn't want his whereabouts to be known. They, he didn't want these things to be known because, again, he was withdrawing away, getting away from these Pharisees who were conspiring to kill him. Knowing that it was not yet his time, he decided, okay, I'm going to leave here. But he also did that, as Matthew points out, again, to this Jewish audience to prove that Jesus is the the the, uh, the uh, prophesied Messiah. He goes away from there to and to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah in verse 17 and then now in 18. Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Right there in that first verse, of, uh, verse 18 there, we see something that we've already read in Matthew, in, in that we see Jesus saying, my servant, my beloved, whom I am well pleased, whom I have chosen, my spirit is upon him. All of those things happened when Jesus was baptized, right? So there's some some further prophecy that is uh, was fulfilled there. In verse 19, though, is where we get into this part about Jesus going off and why he goes off. He says, He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. So this... This prophecy that Isaiah provides and the way in which Jesus is fulfilling that is that you have this group of people who are angry with Jesus. They are fed up with the way he is uh, handling things and going about his ways uh, and, and how he's going against their traditions and speaking out against their traditions as one with authority. How dare he? And so Jesus says, okay, I'm not going to fight this. I'm not going to quarrel. I'm not going to make a big stink about it. I'm not going to go out in the streets and proclaim, These people are making my life terrible. Instead, he said, I'm, I'm going to get away from that. I'm not going to... Uh, I, I like the uh, a smoldering wick he will not quench. Right? It, 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 
gives me that it gives me this mental picture of a wick that had uh, that's still glowing, right? That, and, and when you think of something like that, you think of someone in rage, right? You think of someone just so, mm, and, and it says that he will not smolder that wick, he will not quench it, until he brings justice to victory. Uh, and when Jesus, of course, was died, buried, and raised again, as we'll see in another section of our reading this morning or this afternoon. Um, the 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 hope and the sign that they were wanting, he brings it to them in that, and that's when that smoldering wick becomes quenched. And again, how do you quench a smoldering wick? With water. <laughs> Verse 22. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only Beelzebub the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Knowing their thoughts, there it is again, Jesus said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. Now, or how then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come, has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. Alright, so there's a lot of stuff in this. A lot of information and a lot of things that perhaps pop questions into your head. If you have questions, again, anytime during these readings or study, if you have questions, put them in the comment section and I'll try to address them either during this video or after I'll, I'll comment back on them. Um, but some things that I want to point out here. So um, first, again, the Pharisees say he's casting out demons in the name of the Prince of Demons. And this is something that they've said before. And now they're using it again. They're trying to discredit Jesus. They're trying to sway people away from following Jesus here. And so Jesus responds with a, a statement that you've probably heard before. Uh, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Right? We often hear that uh, in terms of, in reference to politics um, or even in your own houses. Um, and so what Jesus is saying is, is that Satan puts these demons in place to do his bidding. What good does that do Satan if Satan was then to then cast them out and no longer do his bidding? And then Jesus says in verse 29, How can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. This is an interesting thing because what I, what I think Jesus is doing here is he's he's using Satan and the demons that he's using to possess people, or Satan and the sin that he's brought into the world, and he's saying that Satan is the strong man. And Jesus is coming into his house. He's coming into the world of darkness, in which Satan is, is roaming around like a roaring lion, hungry, looking for someone to devour. And in order to take back that which is his, to plunder, 
he has to first bind the strong man and take away those demons and, and separate them from the people that they are inhabiting. And then he may plunder his house. And Jesus again goes into the whoever's against me, or whoever's not with me is against me. Uh, whoever does not gather with me scatters. Then we get into the section that I think causes the most confusion and probably the most questions, and that is the unforgivable sin, is what some people say. And that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. What does all of that mean? Well, Jesus is saying here that the work that he's doing in terms of casting out demons, healing unclean spirits, uh, healing people, um, etc., that's done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is, is doing that work. Uh, and it's something that, again, he gave the, the power and ability to his apostles to do the same thing. And then again, in Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit coming down upon them um, and being able to do those things and pass those abilities on to other people um, through the laying on of hands. So the Holy Spirit, um, you know, worked in the apostles and only the apostles. The, the apostles did not have the ability um, to give their power over to somebody else. They could give them abilities, they could give them spiritual gifts such as um, healing, um, the, the ability to speak in, in uh, different tongues, the ability to cast out demons, uh, etc. But the things that they could not do, these, these people that they laid hands on, they could not then take their powers and pass them on to someone else. Right? Only the apostles had the ability to do that. Um, and so there's a uh, something that I want to apply to today in that there are many today that claim they have those abilities. They have the ability to heal people. They have the ability to cast out demons. They have the ability to speak in, in different tongues. And, and for some people, they have the ability to speak in different tongues, but it's not a spirit-given gift, right? Uh, they're just bilingual or they're trilingual, etc. Um, but with the Holy Spirit gift, it's something that is not learned, it's not something that is natural, but something that the Spirit speaks through them, right? So, not to get into a big discussion about all of that, um, I say all that because some people today have used this verse to say, well, you can't say that the gift that I have is not from the Holy Spirit. You're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. So, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, he's referring to when the Holy Spirit comes to complete what Jesus was not able to complete, um in terms of establishing the kingdom and establishing um, his church, right? And that's what the Spirit comes to accomplish in Acts chapter 2 and throughout the rest of the apostles' lives. And so what we have in the New Testament in the epistles and everything after Jesus' death, we have through the guidance and, and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus is saying is that whoever speaks a word against the Holy Spirit about what the Holy Spirit has presented in the Bible will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. In other words, if something is held within the Holy, the, the Holy Bible and the scriptures that we have inspired by the Holy Spirit, and they say, that can't be true, times have changed, I don't believe that anymore, that's, that's, that's garbage, that, that doesn't exist, that's not real, it, it, was only, it only applied to them then, etc., Saying something like that, you are speaking against the Holy Spirit. That's that's what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, and if you will not uh, abide by or or heed or obey the commands that are were given through the apostles through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, um, then forgiveness is not available. 
And now someone may hear that and think, well, that's not very forgiving. That's not very that's not very loving. It doesn't sound like a loving God. Well, actually, it's it sounds exactly like a loving master who God is. If a master tells you to do something, if God tells you to do something, you do it. Period. You don't question it. You don't speak against it. You do it. And then Jesus starts talking about fruit again. Okay, this is again, this is still this is a continuation. Just kind of forget about the headings here. So uh, he finishes off that thought there, and then he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For if the tree is known by its or for the fruit for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, talking to the Pharisees, how can you speak good when you are evil? For you are for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. <clears throat> I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. But Jesus is saying here, you, you Pharisees, you, you brood of vipers, you better be careful what you say. Because you're going to be judged by those words. You're either going to be justified, or you're going to be condemned. And there's something that applies there for us as well. How do you speak to people about the truth? Do you do so with love? Do you do so, you know, the, the, the Bible, the, the Word of God is referred to as the sword of the Spirit. Do you go out there just swinging the sword, hoping to chop people down? Or are you using the sword as a means of defense? Are you using the sword as a means to defeat Satan and not people? And then Jesus brings forth a, a, a really uh, important teaching uh, related to something that the Pharisees and Jews would have been very familiar with, and that was Jonah uh, and what Jonah did in Nineveh. Verse 38, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Show us something. Were the things that they've already seen not enough? I mean, he, he healed a, a man's hand that was withered and restored it, to look just like the other hand? I don't know about you, but that would have been enough for me. I, I, I wouldn't have needed anything else. I got it. And it, in fact, if you go back, the people got it too. They said, could this be the son of David? Yeah, exactly. This is who we were promised. And then the Pharisees come and say, no, 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 no. Do not look at the man behind the curtain. This is not who you think it is. Jesus answers them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign <coughs> no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south, referring to the queen of Sheba, that's uh, spoken of in uh, Kings and Chronicles. Yeah, First Kings 10 and Second Chronicles 9. The queen of Sheba is what he's referring to here. She will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is saying, listen, these evil, wretched people in Nineveh that were slapping people in the face with fish, 
Just a joke. If you've ever seen the VeggieTales version of Jonah, you'll get that. But these evil, wretched people of Nineveh that were not Jews, they were outsiders. God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach preach to them repentance, that they need to repent and turn away from their evil ways. And Jonah says, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go to Tarshish. I'm going to go over here and I'm not going to do that. And so God, okay, I'm not going to get into the whole story of Jonah. Jonah eventually spends three nights, three days, three nights in the belly of a fish and then is thrown up on the beach outside of Nineveh. And then he has to go to Nineveh and do as God told him anyways. And as soon as he preached this message to them, to them that God gave him, they repented. They put on sackcloth, they covered themselves in ashes, and they repented of their ways. And Jesus says, they did that. That wretched, wretched people did that at the preaching of Jonah. I'm greater than Jonah. This queen of the south, this queen of Sheba, came to Solomon for the wisdom that he held, but I am greater than Solomon, and I'm here standing in front of you right now, and you want something more. And the sign that he says that he'll give them will be that after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, he's going to raise up again. What more do you need? The next section here talks about cleaning your house. (laughs) Not literally, but figuratively. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and, it in, and then they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is, the, is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. So there's some interesting um, illustration that's being painted here by Jesus. We have, first of all, we have... Um, When an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. When I look at that, I think about baptism. I think about what happens in baptism. You know, when we go down in the water and we come back up, our sin is forgiven. It leaves us. And it it passes through waterless places. It just just has that connection for me. Um, But what Jesus is saying here is that, that if, if we go and we repent and we, we clean our house, if you will, but then we allow these other unclean spirits, more evil than the first, to come in and, and take residence and mess our house up all over again, then we're in, we're in worse shape we, than in that current state than we were before we repented, before we were able to come to repentance and salvation through Christ. Um, and again, that speaks to you know the ability that one has to fall away from grace, to um, you know lose that that salvation. Because if you're at a worse place than you were before you were saved, that would come to bear re- bear to reason that you're no longer saved. Um, so again, an important teaching and application that we find there as well. Lastly, uh, one of my favorite sections here. I, I always love talking about. Um, how the church is the family of God, the household of God. Uh, and Jesus here speaking, and this is something that tied into our sermon on, on Sunday about the cost of, of being a disciple. Verse 46, While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside speaking to him. Now, if you'll notice, I'm missing verse 47 here. But if you look down in your footnotes, you'll have that verse. We'll go ahead and read that. 
And someone told him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside asking to speak to you. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. There is a epidemic, if you will, uh, in our culture today, and that is the desire to not be lonely. Or it's just the, 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 the unfortunate situation of being lonely. Uh, no one likes to be lonely. Uh, and I think God understands that, and we know that he understands that, because in the garden, if you remember, he says in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, he says, It's not good that man should be alone, and so I will make for him a helper fit for him. God saw that Adam was roaming this earth, doing what God asked him to do, but he was alone. And so God said, All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create for him a helpmeet. I'm going to create for him a helper. He doesn't want us to be alone in this life, and that's why he provided a spiritual family the opportunity for a spiritual family. Of course, he also provides the blessings of a physical family, but for some, that's not something that they have access to. And that's why the church is so important. It's to keep us from experiencing that dreaded experience of loneliness. 1 John 3, verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. John chapter 1 says that he came to his own people, and they did not receive him. But those who did, those that do, he gives them the opportunity. He gives them the chance to become children of God. He gives them the right to become children of God. Meaning that belief comes first. And then something else has to happen in order to become a child of God to join the church, to be a part of that church, to be a part of God's kingdom, which is the church. And of course, we see from Jesus teaching in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 16, that he who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not will be condemned. And then the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, it says, Go into all the earth, teaching, baptizing, Teaching them all that I have commanded. Teaching to observe all that I commanded. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, those are the opportunities that we've been given. The Holy Spirit has provided those things to us through the inspiration of the Word. And if we go against that, if we speak against that, that speaks back to what Jesus said earlier about Whoever blasphemes the Holy Spirit, whoever speaks out against the Holy Spirit, there will be no forgiveness in this life or the next. And so forgiveness is available. And that's one of the wonderful things about Christ is that forgiveness, reconciliation, and this freedom from loneliness, the opportunity to be a part of a wonderful and loving family outside of your earthly one is available. See, the blood of Jesus and our obedience to the will of God, that secures our place within the family of God, the household of God, the church. It's a place where we don't have to be lonely. It's a place where we can enjoy many things. We can enjoy fellowship, family life together, spiritual growth, 
worship, laughter, all the things. It's a place where we can join together in a common goal, a common mission, common ministry. And that is to do exactly what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, to go into all the world making new disciples. All men, all women, the whole world. God wants you to be a part of his family so that you can experience the greatest blessings that are available in this life. If you want to learn more about that, if you'd like to study more about that, we are here to help you with that. We desire, as God does, for all to come to repentance. We, God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to repentance and all to come to reconciliation with him. And that was provided through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. So if you'd like to learn more about that, or if you have any questions about any of that, or any of this study that we've gone through today, please don't hesitate to reach out. Either comment below, you can message us privately on Facebook, you can email us, info at loveland.church. If you'd like to uh, email me directly, it's minister at loveland.church, and I'm happy to answer any questions that you have, get together for a study, what have you. But ultimately, if you're also listening to this today, and you've already um, made the decision to follow Jesus, then uh, an encouragement I hope we can all pull from this study uh, is that uh, you know there are uh, people out there that are alone. There are, there are people out there that are lonely, that are seeking um, the type of relationship that we have with Christ and with uh, His church uh, and that family, that spiritual family that we have. Uh, if you see those who are lost, those who are alone, don't leave them out. Don't, don't add to their loneliness, but include them in your family plans. Invite them to church. Invite them to come join in with the family of God so that they can learn what 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 it's all about, that they can uh, see what, what a spiritual family is. If you'd like to learn more about our family here at Loveland Heights Church of Christ and the, the, the portion of God's family that meets here, you can go to our website, loveland.church, and you can check that out. We also have these, these videos there for you to watch on demand uh, for the daily Bible study. There's also sermon audio on there as well, so if you'd like to catch up, on some of the previous sermons from these readings, you can do that as well. Of course, we also have information about the about the church here when we meet, uh, our leadership, etc. And so, uh, again, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us directly. I appreciate your time this afternoon. Uh, we went a little bit longer than normal, but there was a lot of information to cover in this. So I hope it was beneficial to you. I, I know it was beneficial to me to get into it. Uh, and I had got I busted out my uh, my H. Leo Bowles uh, commentary today on Matthew to, to look into some further things. So, uh, again, I hope this has benefited your study some. Uh, and, again, if you have any questions, please let us know. I hope you have a blessed day. And uh, if you need anything or if we can pray for you for any need, uh, won't you let us know in the comments here or you can email us. Uh, we're happy to help. Have a great day, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. For his children in the air I'll join him in that land Where tears no sorrow can be found And I'll receive my mansion Mansion Road and crown The weather there is always fair There is sunshine day and night No cold and no rain will fall there For the sunshine's ever bright I'll need no heavy garments I'll just wrap my robe around when I receive my mansion, mansion, robe, robe and crown.